Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Today, Larry's brought in a great guest that is Salvatore Albanese of Salvatore Albanese & Company, LLC, a full-service CPA firm. Prior to starting his own firm, Sal worked at the Big 8 accounting firm of Arthur Young. Salvatore Albanese & Company has been providing accounting, tax, bookkeeping, and estate planning to individuals and businesses for over 35 years. They have offices located in New York City, Long Island, and West Palm Beach, Florida. Sal is married and has four daughters and lives in Oyster Bay, New York. Sal and Larry will be discussing the 2020 Secure Act law changes and providing some suggestions. Guys, this is going to be a great podcast. Take it away, Larry. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Sal, for joining us today. So let's get right into it. So, Sal, let let the audience know, what is the Secure Act? Well, Larry, the SECURE Act is an act that was passed on December 20th by Congress. And basically, it provides two things. Number one, it provides some benefits for employees, and it also provides benefits for employers trying to promote companies to offer retirement plans. So the law has given us some things, but it's also taken away some things, which we'll get into in a little bit. So why don't we start with some of the benefits that they can't, that has come in. So, you know, the first thing is automatic enrollment, safe harbor cap. What have they done to that? Well, Larry, in order to promote additional savings, the SECURE Act increased the contribution that uh, you're able to make from 10% to 15% of one's uh, uh, salary. That increase takes into effect that as of January 1 or whenever there is a pay raise. Uh, the employee also has an option to either participate or decline that offer. Right, since this is auto-enrollment auto safe harbor, they would have to opt out instead of opting instead of opting, opting in. That's correct. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about auto-enrollment in a, few, in a few minutes. So, one of the other things that they've changed in the plan is they've made simplification of the safe harbor 401k rules. So we're not going to that in a lot of detail, but you know they've eliminated the safe harbor notice requirements, and they've allowed amendments to be made to non-elective status within 30 days prior to close. And beforehand, you could you had to do it bef- you know before the year, and even after 30 days, they've changed the rules that you could still make an amendment, but now you'd have to make a four percent non-elective contribution instead of a three percent. So. What that really does is it looks like a a plan is going to, you know, fail testing because they're able to put in some more money as a non-elective to all the all the employees to make the plan pass testing and give the highly compensated, allowing them to put away the full benefit. Anything else you want to add about the safe harbor? Um, Yeah, with regard to that, Larry, I believe that's one of the advantages of, uh, I guess, for employers. They're trying to simplify the the requirements, therefore, eliminating some of the red tape that usually one had to do in prior, uh, you know, with the prior law. So, the uh, the uh, another thing is that they've done is they've increased the uh, some of the credits limitations for small employee pensions. So, 
some of the, the, the startup costs have increased and that's a credit. So what, how does that differ from a actual deduction? Well, Larry, as you know, a credit is a dollar for dollar reduction of tax. Uh, whereas a deduction is you're applying a tax rate to that deduction to realize the actual dollar benefit. I don't know if that answered the question. So a credit is much more beneficial than a deduction, of course. There you go. And so what are the new, what are the new r- rules that they've now allowed for a new 401k? So Congress is trying to implement more companies to do the 401k plans. Yes, Larry. So as we indicated before, I think Congress is uh, trying to encourage employers to set up new, uh, new pension plans for their employees. So what they've done is they're given credits. Um, in the past, they were receiving a $500 credit for setting up a new pension plan. Well, today, that $500 is increased to $5,000 in certain circumstances. The other thing that the act does is that encourages small business owners to adopt automatic enrollment. As we spoke before, they're giving employers an additional $500 tax credit for three years if they, if they enrolled in that, in that plan. So as you could see, I believe, uh, you know, uh, Congress is uh, with this act is really trying to promote these retirement plans for the benefit of employees. Yes. So why don't we talk about some of the other the rules for the employee the, the employees? And in the, one of the biggest things that they've done is is change the maximum age for traditional IRA contributions. Yes, absolutely, Larry. And this is a big one because um, the old law old law means you know prior to January one two thousand and twenty. Once you reached age 70 and a half, you're required to take an RMD, a required minimum distribution. What they've done is they've pushed that age to 72. So they stretched, you know, the required minimum distributions to age 72. So if you turn 70 and a half in 2020, for example, you're no longer (laughs) required to take a distribution by the following April 1st. So if you turn age 70 and a half in 2020, now that law doesn't apply to you any longer. You're able to defer the RMD until age 72. That gives a tremendous opportunity for the funds to continue to be 100% reinvested and therefore generating a much higher deferred amount. Yeah, And one of the reasons they change this is they haven't changed life expectancy tables so in so long. So that's one of the reasons they push that, you know, push that back. So a lot more planning can be done now also by, you know, by waiting on to 72. One of the other things that they've done, and this is actually a push from the life insurance companies is to allow for a lifetime income in annuities and the portability of that. So if a, if somebody who has an IRA wants to take an income stream beforehand, they couldn't do that because if they, if they wanted to roll that over, they would be out of luck. Now they can do that. And if they want to be able to roll over that, that portability of the income income stream. So, well, we got to be careful out there, but you may see some more annuities popping up in some of these 401k plans. So let's talk about a little bit about the modifications to the, you know, to the required minimum in distributions, which is probably one of the bigger ones out there. 
Well, as I indicated before, the RMDs are now required by age 72, 72. I'm talking about more of the inherited, the inherited oh, ones. Okay, on the inherited side, well, the all law basically allowed the beneficiary of an inherited IRA to be able to defer and receive the RMDs over their life expectancy. Under the new law, there are a number of exceptions to what I'm about to say, so I'm going to basically say that you're no longer able to take RMDs over your life expectancy. You're sort of required to take them over the next 10 years for most beneficiaries. There are some exceptions to it, though. So let's just focus on that for a moment. So if I am a beneficiary of, uh, of a, an inherited IRA, I would be able to stretch it over my lifetime. And depending on my age, it could be you know, 20, 30, 40 years under the old law. Under the current law, they're forcing you to take it over 10, which means that the annual amount of RMD is going to be probably five uh, to even five or six times higher than the normal for the average person. Right, and possibly kicking them up into a much higher tax bracket over that, you know, over their those ten year ten year period, rather than stretching it over their lifetime. That's right. So the benefits that they gave us before, they're sort of taken away for from us now <laughs> in this situation. As I said, there are some exceptions. So the exceptions to the rules are that if you are a spouse of an inherited IRA, obviously the rules didn't change there. You're able to continue to take those RMDs over your life expectancy. There is another exception, and the exception is that if the beneficiary is within 10 years of the deceased age, you're also able to receive the RMDs over the next over the lifetime of the beneficiary. The third one is if you're a minor, if you're a child receiving an inherited IRA, uh, you're also able to stretch it, not over the life expectancy of the individual, but you're able to stretch it for 10 years plus the years that it takes for you to become legal. And that, that goes by state by state based on the various state laws. Yeah, so that, that's, a big, that's a big difference and you know, where, where there should be some planning put into that. We'll talk about some of the planning ideas in a few, few minutes. Uh, one thing that I do wanna mention that we haven't really talked about is, and it won't really come into place until 2021, but Congress has put, into, put in what's called a, PPL, where now they have what's called MEPS, modified it, I'm not, don't remember exactly what the MEP stands for, but it allows uh, related companies to be able to combine and do one 401k plan. Multiple employee plans. There you I go. Believe. Multiple <laughs> employer <laughs> plans. Right. Okay. So now they're going to change that rule starting 2021 that you can have unrelated companies come together so which would reduce the administrative costs and encourage some smaller companies to put up a retirement plan in place so we've got some time on that and we may actually have another podcast before 2021 just on that because it it will be very interesting but that doesn't come into place until january 1st 2021 one other minor issue on the retirement plans is that just to be careful now an employee he works 500 hours a week for three consecutive years would now be eligible for deferrals, where beforehand they had to work a thousand hours a year to be eligible. 
So they still may not be eligible for some of the profit sharing contributions, but they'd be eligible to do some deferrals. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the... A correction on that? Sorry. Sorry. Um, So you said 500 hours a week. That's impossible. I know, 500 hours a year. You meant 500 hours a year, yes. Whereas in the past, it was 1,000 hours per year. Yes. So why don't we we talk a little bit about some of the penalties now that are, they put into, put into, put into place. So, you know, they're, they want to encourage the filing of timely and accurate information. Larry, as we said before, some of the negatives of the SECURE Act is that uh, even though they're promoting uh, retirement plans, they're also have increased significantly the penalties. For example, if you fail to file a Form 5500, which is the tax return for a retirement plan, in the past, it was $25 per day with a maximum of $15,000. The SECURE Act has increased that significantly 10 times. It, uh, now it's $250 a day for filing a tax return late with a maximum fine of $150,000. That's, that's a big one. Mm. So... Anything else before we talk about some of the planning ideas? Any other key topic? And there are some others that we didn't cover, but are there any other ones that we missed? Do you think we covered them all, Sal? I think we uh, touched on a lot of things. I mean, this podcast is not really designed to get into super specifics. We just want to give you some general uh, general ideas and, uh, and, and give you some heads up on Congress has done already. So, of course, there's exceptions to everything that we said. So I think we really need to to get into the specifics uh, of one situation, you know, if we were to give advice to someone. Right. So it is important for both from the employer side as well as the individual side to take notice of these laws and talk to your accountant, talk to your financial advisor. Of course, Sal and I both be glad to talk to you about any of those type questions that you may have, but let, let, let's talk about some of the planning ideas that, that now come, come up. So, you know, what's one planning idea now that I think is now even more relevant than has been in the past? Well, I think one of the things that we need to look at is that inherited IRA where uh, now all of a sudden the beneficiary has to take the RMDs over a 10-year period, that gives us a much shorter period of time to be able to absorb the funds coming into. And remember that a traditional IRA is a tax deferral, which means that when the beneficiary receives the distribution, the beneficiary has to pay taxes on the amount that he or she receives. Since the time frame is a lot shorter, the tax bill is going to be a lot higher, especially if uh, the beneficiary has sufficient income and most likely is probably at the highest bracket to begin with. So I think taking a look at your traditional account and determining whether or not it's time to convert to a Roth, it's a lot more important to do so. Of course, Larry, we always talk about this, regardless of your age, anytime you have a down year, if you have income that all of a sudden, if you have a business that is not doing so well in any one particular year where you're able to absorb income, you may want to consider you know, taking a distribution. You don't need to wait until you're age 72 to take that distribution out of your traditional IRA you know, at the appropriate time. Right. I mean, you have to be over 59 and a half to sure. avoid the penalties, but you make a very good, very good point that if you 
you know, out of work or you had a business that didn't have a good year. So you made no income. Don't lose sight of that. May be a great year to take money out of your traditional and possibly convert that over into, into a Roth. So, you know, as we said that now without the stretch, being able to stretch and inherit it over their lifetime, 10 years could kick somebody up to a much higher tax bracket and therefore, or, or even in the top tax bracket. So a Roth may be much more advantageous. Of course, you, you do want to look at this individually and consult with your tax advisor and, and make sure it makes sense for you. So let's talk about some of the other planning ideas. And again, this is not for everybody. Each one of the ideas we're talking about, it, it really would have to make sense for you specifically. But I think there's some planning ideas to do with charity. I don't think we really want to get into all the specifics of that, Sal. But one of the things that we, we you can do is some type of charity trust. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Setting up a charitable remainder trust, for example, that there are tremendous opportunities and benefits to of doing so. Receiving income for a longer period of time and uh, ultimately donating the principal to your favorite charity is a uh, is is a good uh, a good way to go. Right, and the 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 other one is really something also to to look out now. As we said, from the inherited IRAs that you have to take it out over ten years and possibly kick up into a much higher tax bracket. They, your children or your grandchildren who's ever inheriting the IRAs, um, unfortunately, may have to pay some additional taxes. So there may be opportunities where it makes sense to look at some second to die insurance policies to offset some of those taxes. Sure, absolutely, and of course, uh, you know that life insurance policy. I would consider putting it into a, a what we call an islet or an irrevocable life insurance trust. Right, and you know some of the ways possibly to pay for it would be with after tax dollars or even pulling out a small amounts out of your IRA if in you're a low tax bracket and you've already you know retired so so those are three that we've touched upon there are definitely others so you know, this is relatively new the secure act and will be coming into place more and more and more going forward so you know if you have any questions you know feel free to reach out to to Sal at salalbanese.com and you know him or somebody in his staff will be able to help you and to steer you in the right deck right direction. Sal, thank you for joining us today. This was great. Thank you very much, Larry. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey guys, this was a great podcast. I'll tell you what, the, the Secure Act is still a mystery to a lot of people and I, I appreciate a good overview of it. And Larry, I was right there with you. When you said working 500 hours a week as a small business owner. I feel like I work 500 hours a week sometimes. I know you do too. So we all tracked with you. We knew what you were talking about. Thank you guys again so much. And, and we'll put the contact information for Larry in the show notes in the summary. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and click on that link. If you're listening to this and you haven't had time to write that information down and he can give you the contact information for Sal, or you can just reach out to Larry and chat with him as well. Again, guys, thank you so much for introducing us to the secure act and kind of giving us this overview is very, very valuable. If anybody wants to say anything, now would be the time. <laughs> 
well, I don't know what happened today, Eric. It's it's like, okay. it's <laughs> thanks, okay, Eric. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> uh, you bet, guys. And thank you all for listening to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.